0: Hello, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Brett Maddox here, and welcome to another episode of the Poticaesis Podcast. We'll be starting the show in just a moment. I just had a couple of notes I wanted to bring to your attention. First of all, thank you for the support that you have given to Alan, myself, and Jim as we have started this this project, this Poticaesis Podcast project. We really didn't know what to expect uh, when it came to who would be listening. But we are so excited that you have joined us and have made us part of, your, um, part of your life, part of your community, part of who you are as you grow in your faith. And we're so grateful for you and the Podic Human community that is out there. Uh, next, I, I just want to say that uh, Jim, myself, and Alan, when we record these episodes, we do th- so through Zoom. And on this episode, episode six, we had a couple of technical issues happening, mainly on my end, on my recording, so the quality is not as good as it has been in the past. And for that, we do apologize. Uh, most of it was unavoidable, with just some bad, poor connections and uh, different things going on uh, but uh, we still feel like we have a quality show and we're excited about the topic of idolatry that we get to talk about in this episode thank you again for your support thank you again for everything you've done be sure to pass this along to your friends and your family uh, send them on to our website at uh to Apple or stitcher or Google Play or Spotify or anywhere that you listen to your podcast and uh, tell your friends tell your family to look for us and feel free to use us as a uh, this podcast as a resource Um, if you teach scripture if you teach the bible if you teach theology if you're a sunday school teacher a small group leader uh, feel free to use this as a resource um, in that arena we love you we appreciate you thank you for everything and now on with the show of Humans, Brett Maddox here. Hope you're doing well. We are back, and we are joined once again by the stars of your favorite buddy cop movie of the summer, Pastors on Patrol, Alan Kaysen and Jim Morrow. How are y'all doing, guys?
1: Wow, I'm doing Throw great. Throw the book at him. The holy book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> In a world. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Uh,
0: yes, absolutely. Well, Alan, Jim, it's good to see you all. Hope you're doing well. And to the Podicuman community that is out and about, we're so excited that to be able to come back to you this uh, for episode six of the Potocistas podcast. Uh, we once again, we're just so thrilled with what is happening in this community and with this being able to make these connections with all you listeners and helping you and helping us. Really, I mean. Jim and Alan and I, we, we constantly talk about how we are growing through this and through these studies and, and these readings and, and these very basics of the Christian faith. So it's not just you who are benefiting from this, it's us as well. And so we're, we're so thankful for this community and for those who have been reaching out to us and letting us know um, how, uh, how thankful y'all are. Uh, for, for the Podakiesis podcast. Um, we are um, hitting up a question number five this uh, episode from Wesley's revision of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and we're just going to go right into it. And so that question, question number five, is are there more gods than one? Um, are there more gods than one? This is a carryover from the last uh, episode of, of when we were talking about God and who God is or what God is actually. And so now we're looking at this idea of, are there more than one God? Is there, is there more than one God? Is there, are there other gods out there? And uh, it's interesting the way that uh, this uh, catechism puts it. Uh, One of y'all want to give the answer to that question.
2: Sure. Absolutely. So uh, the answer to the question, are there more gods than one? There is, but one only the living and true
0: God. I love the way it puts it. It almost like you sit there, there is. There is. But only one. No, 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 no. Just (laughs) the one. Just the one, that's right. Uh, The living and true God. And so we're going to look at that and what that means for us. And so for the scripture proofs for this, there's only two, one from Deuteronomy and one from Jeremiah, but we're going to encourage you to look at the larger context of these. We'll give you the the verse and maybe the paragraph that that verse is in, in the larger context. Uh, But we want you to go and and read and see the rest of the chapter where these come from, because there's some really good stuff there. Uh, The first is from Deuteronomy chapter six, and this is where we'll get the, probably the most prayed prayer in all of history called the Shema. Shema is uh, Hebrew for listen or hear, and it, and, and it, it comes from the word hear from the verse 4 of chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then it continues on. It says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. And it just continues on about how you will pass this on and pass this on and pass this on and pass this on. But the key to this is that there is just one God. And this becomes a defining prayer for the Hebrews, for the Israelites, because they are surrounded by a culture, by cultures of many gods, polytheism, many gods. And yet here's this tiny fledgling nation that is coming out and saying, no, there's only one God.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. It's one. really it's really interesting because they're I mean they're they're about to head into the promised land. But the promised land is full of other nations and cultures and uh, all these nations and cultures worship multiple gods, different gods. And God is setting the tone for his people, um his people who are supposed to represent him to the world, um who we as Christians are are grafted into through right. Christ, um He's setting the tone saying the Lord is one. There absolutely. is, absolutely. You right. know, there, th- is there is but is, one. There <laughs> that's is right.
1: but one. But one. <laughs> um, as I was doing one of my more recent uh, read-throughs of this part of the Old Testament, it struck me that um the Hebrew people, uh, it's hard for them to be monotheists as well. Think about all of the years they spent in Egypt, like if you even wanted to talk about the nature and nurture of how you grow, they were steeped in a polytheistic culture. Suddenly they're out of there and God is revealing himself as the one true and living God, but they're about to go back in. It's always been hard. And I wonder if it's any easier to be a monotheist these days. It's been
0: so hard. We we think that the Jewish people, early Jews, they they went right into this. They went right in from polytheism to monotheism just like that at the at the snap of a finger or something but there's actually archaeological proof that that's not the case at mm-hmm. all there's archaeological proof that many of these hebrews and jews uh, uh jewish people um, the israelites these early israelites were struggling with household gods mm-hmm. and uh, polytheism within their household belief system um and that this was a gradual change that took place and actually you can read the scriptural account and you can see that that desire to go back almost to that mini-God, that polytheistic worldview was was there. I think it's interesting here in, in Deuteronomy 6, if you go on down to verse 10 and on, it says, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, And your, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full and then take care, uh, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord, your God, who you shall fear him. You shall serve. And by his name, you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the Mm -hmm. gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord, this is so interesting. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Dang.
1: (laughs) We have sound effects now.
0: (laughs) I'm just like, this is a
1: family. uh, Yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) but you see, uh, God here is that these words he uses anger, jealousy, these things that have a very negative connotation to them um, are used to describe uh, his uh, relationship with his people. This is a serious thing. And as Jim alluded to, I wonder if today we who call ourselves God's beloved are taking it that seriously.
1: Mm. So Uh, this, this, by the way, this, I think, uh, Deuteronomy six is one of the theme verses of the whole podcast. I think you love this one, Brett. If you go back to episode one, my friends, Brett yep. has always just jammed on Deuteronomy six. And is his the jam, it, it is my verse jam. That's right. That's right. It's easily
0: spreadable. Anyway, the uh, <laughs> so
1: <laughs> dad joke alert. Dad, dad joke. All right, we have more scripture proofs. So let's start. Dad joke. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag dad joke. So, Made too
2: many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. (laughs) Uh,
0: The reason I do love it so much, though, is it is the it is right out of here is the place where Jesus would say this is the greatest commandment. That's right. You know, it's the sums up all the law of the prophets. And so this is uh, this is important. The next one comes out of Jeremiah. And this let me just set this up a little bit for you who are not familiar with uh, the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet um, just At the time when Babylon, this foreign nation, would march into the southern kingdom of Judah and take, basically, Judah into captivity, into exile for 70 years over in Babylon. It is Jeremiah who was sitting at or standing at the borders of Judah as the... um, as the horses and chariots of Babylon were marching in and ready to come in and take over and destroy everything, crying out to the people of Judah saying, uh, repent, repent, repent from your sin, from your idolatry. Repent from your idolatry. These people who had uh, looked at the, uh, the gods, uh, the, uh, these different gods like Baal and other uh, gods that were around and, and started attributing to them the things that Yahweh had done. This this golden calf is the one who brought us out of Egypt. That that they're attributing these things to the and so Jeremiah is saying, Repent, and the people wouldn't do it. They thought they were protected. We have the temple of the Lord, they would say, the temple of the Lord. They thought they were protected, but Babylon comes in. So this is coming out of this passage I'm about to read to you. It's coming out of Jeremiah chapter 10. And he is he is basically just telling the people where they've gone wrong. This is what he says. Uh, Verse 8 of chapter 10. They are all senseless and foolish. They are taught by worthless wooden idols. Hammered silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Euphaz. What the craftsmen and goldsmith have made is then dressed in blue and purple, all made by skilled workers. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God, the eternal King. When he is angry, the earth trembles; the nations cannot endure
1: his wrath.
2: This is my now, uh, this is my uh, next benediction.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, benediction. This is my life verse, y'all. First, I'm going <laughs> to begin
2: with, "They are all senseless and foolish," and then I'm going to end with, "When he is angry."
0: Um, I want y'all to get this picture in your head. His wrath. <laughs> I want you to get this picture in your head of Alan at the end of a beautiful homily, after the end of a nice sermon that he has crafted. He's used Greek and Hebrew. He's shown oh, yeah. his learning. He's yeah.
1: wordsmith this. He's you going to stand before no his congregation. <laughs> he's done a great job making it up on the spot. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs>
0: And then he's going to tell them all that they're foolish and that God's wrath is upon them. And
2: let's not forget so, about the blue and purple cloth.
0: Yeah,
1: that's exactly so, right. Just, that's exactly but go on, kind of,
2: Brad. I'm sorry.
1: Just, to, <laughs> wrap Brad, up, to wrap up, to wrap up a little bit about what's happening here in in this uh, chapter, chapter ten, um, Jeremiah will talk a little bit about hey, all these other gods are they're made of wood and stone and they're carved but they can't speak they can't talk they have to be carried around they're lifeless and worthless they can't create um, but God is alive god is living he is eternal he is true um and so that that's a pretty powerful pretty powerful thing
0: oh absolutely absolutely and uh so this brings up some major questions about idolatry about what it means to be polytheistic and what it means to follow either one God being monotheistic or and following the one true God being Yahweh or being polytheistic and having many gods in our lives. And I think the first question that comes up is what constitutes a God? What constitutes, what, what, what is an idol? Uh, I'd love to hear Jim or Alan, what do you think? What, what's an idol? uh, Maybe in your mind, when you think of that, what is an idol, but then maybe share like an example so that we can all know your sins. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Confession time. Yeah. Um, uh, idol, an idol for you and I'll do the same.
2: Well, I guess, I mean, we can add on to this definition, but I mean, I, I guess an idol is anything that we worship, anything that we, that we, um, prioritize above all else. Right. I mean, um, and, and so God is wanting us, to, the one, the one there is but one um, living God, you know, ask us to worship him above all else. Um, and so an idol is anything that um, keeps us from doing that, that we put above, um, put above God
0: so yeah i've always thought of an idol as something that sits on the throne of my heart what what has my affections what has well fine
2: uh, put it in better words than than i don't know words time (laughs) to
1: give him your benediction tell him the benediction (laughs) (laughs) the wrath of alan
2: you cannot endure my wrath
1: (laughs) you know this is this is a crazy um because when you think of idols and you're thinking about statues, you think about the golden calf. People are like, no, I don't worship these things. Sure. Yeah. I think part of the thing that that make that keeps us from recognizing idols is that we uh, might limit what we understand worship is. Um, yeah. That it might be a, a a thing that has a lot of emotion only. Or um, that it always involves singing, or or whatnot. Right. Um, um, that's good. Yeah. But we worship. We worship. Now we don't. We might do that in worship. Is not only heart, not only emotional. It's like a full life practice. Um, and I, I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. It stuck with me. Um, what captivates your heart, Brett? Like you had said, but also what yeah. you sacrifice to.
0: Oh uh, yeah, what you mm.
1: sacrifice to, and there are mm. so many things that you know we have that we sacrifice where with our time, our money, our energy, and all of that. And so, if you think about it that way, we worship, period, as human beings.
0: Yeah.
1: And now you might not do that to a statue, but you remember um, a couple episodes ago, Dr. Russell mentioned that um, all you know, there's gods of fertility. You might not worship the statue, but the statue's there because fertility is your god. That's
0: right. Right. no
1: No. i yeah go ahead alan
2: well i was just i'm uh just thinking you asked us to think about something so i'm sitting in my office and i've got a lot of university of georgia gear in here Um, (laughs)
1: every episode
2: (laughs) well (laughs) we were getting tired of your kale movies. um
1: (laughs) you brought it up
2: yeah but you know there was a time in my life where um, watching a Georgia game was the most important thing, um, even ahead of the following day where I was preaching a sermon, um, mm-hmm. and my blood pressure would would skyrocket during the game, and um, whether I was watching in person and or you know the fortunate uh, having the ability the opportunity to go to a game, um, and I would. I probably would had convinced myself that I was nothing, but, um, it was something, you know? And, yeah. and, um, and so I think about those two things you're talking about, um, captivating my heart and sacrifice too. Right. Um, yeah, it definitely captivated my heart. Uh, <laughs> probably, yeah. uh, um, almost, uh, burst my heart, uh, a couple of times just cause of <laughs> blood pressure and being angry and upset and all this other thing. Um, but, uh, uh, but sacrifice too. Yeah. My time, um, sometimes my money, um, you know, absolutely. Um, yeah. and that's just one example. There's other examples, mm. but, and, oh, you know, over time and maturity and, uh, you know, uh that
1: is Questionable. I, love <laughs> I love my dogs. Don't get me wrong. I love my dogs.
2: Love them. But it is, it's like, it's, it's, a, it's, on a, it's on another level now. It's, yeah. it's a much smaller part of my life. Um, so anyways, I don't know if that helps or. Whatever.
0: No, I, I think it's, I think it's very helpful. And I know with me, there's definitely those things, um, you know, I think about needing to have the the best electron news, electronic thing. Yeah. Amen. You know, oh my gosh. Try, um, I think about the, um, I tell you one for me has been work. Yes. Um, I'm a, I'm a, my, I come from a family of aholics. And yeah, aholics. Uh, It's true. I mean, you you just just had the
1: prefix, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's right. right.
0: And thankfully, and by the grace of God, I never got caught up in drugs or alcohol or any of that. Um, But what I have gotten caught up in is work and Mm. sacrificing friendships, relationships, uh, my family, um, time, my health, uh, my mental well-being, my uh, spiritual well-being, um, because I find my identity in what I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's funny about that is when I was in seminary, they told us how easy it is for pastors to fall into that trap. And um, I told myself I'd never do that. I'd never, ever do that. And basically from day one, um, that has been my, my go-to drug is work. Um, yep. I'm always thinking about it. I go to sleep with it on my mind. I wake up, first thing I think about, and it's always occupying. And I can't tell you how many discussions I've had at home um, where I've been rightly accused of not being fully present. Um, And so that is a God in my life that gets devotion. And I think for many of us, think about this. I I think about members of the church, my church, and I'm sure that Alan and Jim have this as well. How many families sacrifice money, time, all this for travel soccer? Yeah. Um, How many people sacrifice? And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But when that becomes your identity, see, Deuteronomy, that Deuteronomy 6 is about identity, the identity of the people. Uh, Jeremiah, he's calling out the identity. These people now find their identity in something that is, made of wood and and iron and gold and silver and not something that's eternal. Where do we put our identity?
1: Where do we find our
0: where, where is our foundation of life? Where does life come from for us?
1: Hmm. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and you know a, a way that we can identify, I would contend, and I think our conversation has agreed with this, that we all in our world today struggle with idolatry. Christians are in no way exempt. And I I would say I want to do more study to back this up. That idolatry is the sin of our age, it probably always has yeah. been. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you want to if you want to do some self-examination, which I w- I just encourage because uh, it's it's so important. What do you turn to when you are extremely tired at the end of your rope, anxious, scared? What do you turn to for relief? Ooh. Ooh. That has divine quality in your life. Ooh, that's a. And I want unfair. to tell you just an exa- it is unfair. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> but an an unfair I'm. I, but I feel yeah. I only feel like I can say that because yeah. I live that. Um, yeah, I hear you. I could tell you, and this this is in no way small. Um, at the end of a day where I'm feeling like I don't have control over the events of things, or maybe haven't achieved well enough, I'm going to go eat more sweet food. I mean, it's good. There's uh, Sweet food by itself is fine, but gluttony is one of the identified seven deadly sins for a reason. Um, but that's just middling, one. You're meddling. Yeah. yeah, I know. I well, know. Meddling I with know. me. That's what I mean by this is not fair. Because yeah. You yeah. Are, you're, you're reading my mail, brother. <laughs> well, you were reading mine earlier, fellow workaholic. Um, so there's also, if I were to think real honestly about myself, um, this is not a statue. I haven't fashioned, uh, say, uh, something out of gold about this, but I guarantee you I am driven and sacrificed much to make sure that either I'm approved of by others or well regarded. And if you just want to get honest, am I proud of that? I'm not. But I can, if I bet I could write a list if you gave me 10 minutes of the things I've sacrificed to those things,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they do not lead to well, life.
2: And I think yeah. so. you go back to the idea of uh, idolatry being the sin of this age. I think it's always been. And, you know, what mm-hmm. Dr. Russell talked about was um, uh, not being a polytheist. And that's what basically the, the scriptures for him is um, trying to prevent us from being a polytheist. Yeah. Um, And uh, it's so subtle now. Yes. It that's the thing. It is so subtle. Um uh, Georgia football. I mean, it, you know, everybody in the South. Well, everybody's going to do that. That's you know, whatever. Or um overworking. Um,
1: there, those are great things. They're eating loaded. a
2: whole bag of shareable M and M's. I mean, you know, that's <laughs> wait. That
1: is, I told you that in private.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you we weren't we were supposed to pause, right? You know, oh. if, if
2: I was to come and say, listen, I worship a golden calf or um a wooden statue you would
1: that's ridiculous right i mean nobody's you know even even course. to an atheist in this day that would be a ridiculous I mean, That's
2: ridiculous right absolutely but, but everything is wrapped differently um right. the it, and so it is easier to be a polytheist and not even realize it um i
1: think So yes, let me know. Let me give you one more example. Okay, go ahead. There's uh, an author that's really great. His name is James K. A. Smith. Comes out of a Reformed tradition, but we still love him, right? Um, He's got a book. James, yes. So so he talks about uh, you are what you love. the The liturgies of the secular culture. Um, We, if we think we don't worship, then think about just think about the events of a sports game. Think about the events of a day out shopping. Think about Thanksgiving. We do ritual and worship uh, traditions all of the time. So if we were to think about where do we hold these, quote, sacred and unmovable patterns, uh, then we can start to identify another place where we might be worshiping something other than the living God.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, this, the, the biblical writers, they're not concerned with atheism. That's
1: not a, Oh, they're not. not, No. Yeah. That's that's a great point because we seem to say, Oh, do you believe in God? You're good. We have to help people believe in God, but you're right. Wow. Keep going.
0: The biggest concern of the biblical writers is polytheism.
1: Let's just go back Uh, to what
0: Dr. Russell was saying earlier that he reads scripture. So he's not a polytheist. That those those kind of lines he said a uh, few episodes ago have really just stuck with me. Yes. Another one was if you're reading scripture and you're always the hero, you're reading it wrong. I always <laughs> just think that's <laughs> I, I just it's just it's stuck Wait, what? with me. Uh, Alan, yeah. we need to we need to talk. Come here. We Open need your talk. Bible, Alan. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so before I get in, Wesley's got some really. John Wesley's got some really good stuff on I this. Thought you're I thought you were talking about into. Wesley from
1: The Princess Bride. <laughs> it's John Wesley? Oh, yeah, okay. John Carry Wesley. On. We're
0: not talking about Wesley. Yeah. So anyway, um, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask is, in this discussion of there being one God, is there – a sense of hubris for the church to affirm this openly um, in a kind of a right and wrong, you know, because th- when we say there's one God, we're we're saying that there are other things that are not God. There is a nothing right else,
1: else is God. That's
0: right, and there is a right and wrong here. So, um, it, it, this is an um, is this an important question of if if there are other gods, or is this just an exercise in hubris?
2: I know. I think it's a, it's absolutely, it's a critical. Um, and I th- think it's okay to, for there be, to
1: be a right and
2: wrong. Um, we're so, uh, no, yeah. you know, we just, we just PC culture. Um, are you,
1: are you a little, a little um, pl- uh, sick of the pluralism I hear?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it is okay um, to say that there is only one God and
1: our God is it. And, and when you and when you hear Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Right. I, I had a seminary professor.
2: I had a seminary <laughs> professor tell me that that's in the Gospel of John. Yeah. That um that John was just um he wrote that just because he was just so in love with Jesus. And so that really that that really doesn't mean a whole lot. Um but I think that's the kind of world we live in. I mean, it's just
1: yeah, we just dismiss it. A, the trouble comes because um, if we so we can take the truth as the truth, but then people go and be jerks to other people about it. Yeah, there's a right, like, you're a wrong. I'm of... right, and that's not yeah. that's not the like there can be truth, but you don't have to be a jerk about it. I guess yeah, that's exactly. the simplest Way to say so.
0: It. So the best way to go about this is um, you know Paul says in Philippians chapter two, have this mindset upon. He's talking to the church, right? He says have this mindset among you. He's talking about unity, which by the way, can, we can make an idol out of unity because when unity, when we seek unity for unity's sake, mm. that is an idol, Preach. that is an idol, but unity that is in and for Jesus becomes real substantial unity. And so Paul will talk about having one mind, a same mind in chapter two of Philippians. And so the question I always ask is, well, who becomes the the rule or the standard by which that unity is judged by is it a committee is it this group is it that group what is it what is that one mind what is what is holding it together and paul paul will say he says have this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus and so there's the standard have this mindset in you that was also in Christ Jesus who was, who, um, though he was uh, found, though he was equal with God, did not see equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. But he became obedient even unto death, becoming a servant, so that God would lift him up. So that, that's the key. That's the key to what we're saying. Yes, you, you can go out and say, "I know the truth," like a jerk, or yeah. you can become a servant. Yes, even becoming obedient to death itself. Humility. Right. Oh, I it's, mean, it's, it's ultimate humility and sacrifice yes. to lay our lives down for the gospel. That's right. And if the church, if we are willing to do that, to lay everything at the feet of the cross or at the foot of the cross and to uh, allow God to then use us and whatever means— then um, there's there that that is how that gets so that's uh, that's me on a soapbox. On I this. like
1: that soapbox. So so you know sometimes when we think about that verse in John, Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." You know, for some reason, there seems to people generally will harp on the only way. When the fact of the matter is that let's not miss the good news that there's a way to the Father. <laughs> that's okay? right. Yes. Right, so,
0: hallelujah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So there's a. Oh my goodness. Let's not harp on the fact that. You know, it is the only way, but, oh, my goodness, there is a way. Way,
2: yeah. Because he could have not provided a way. That's right. That's
1: right. And so I think that the reason that it becomes difficult to say, oh, your God, my God, is what when we try to own God and make him ours. But also, if we can just have this servant humility as we talk to people who mm-hmm. even hold other religions, um, who hold no religion, um, mm-hmm. then then we don't have to play the, I'm going to make you wrong so I can be right game for evangelism um right yeah because it's not about me being right and making you right like me it's about pointing people to jesus
0: yes what's he say if i am lifted high i will draw all people unto myself yes so that that's the key right so um uh fun i i I love i love the language that is used in this question too the one true living Mm. god I love that language. In fact, when I read that, I was thinking of what uh, Paul was talking about again, and we ask, you know, why the question comes up, you know, then uh, why, why is there sin? Why is there, we're going to talk more about sin later, but why is there sin? Why is there brokenness? Well, Paul will, in the new Testament, he will allude the reason is is because we're worshiping false dead gods. Mm -hmm. And he'll say that in uh, Romans chapter one, verses 18, he says, verse 18 and on, he says, for the wrath of God is revealed from the heaven against the ungodliness and righteousness of men and women, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world into things that have been made, so that we, they are without excuse for they knew God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and foolish in and their foolish hearts were darkened. And he talks about God giving them over to their desires, God giving them over to their desires. So that leads me into this next piece. And this is what John Wesley says about, about idolatry. Uh, does it really matter that there's only one God? Well, according to Wesley, it does. He says that we usually, Wesley says, we usually make idols due to three motivations, uh, sense, pride, and imaginations. He calls this the unholy trinity, the three layers of rebellion. And that is sensuality, which is the desire of the flesh. Uh, Thomas Oden, a noted Wesley scholar, says that life only uh, when we talk about sensuality or or the flesh, desire of the flesh. This means that life only amounts to our sensory experiences and physical satisfactions, of which we can never get enough. Mm. Now, what's interesting about that language is its addiction language. It is. It's, it's addiction language. If you if you, if we have any listeners who have struggled with addiction issues or have families who have it's family members who have, you know what we're talking about when we talk about this. That this is, it's never enough to satisfy. Um, so the, sen- the sense, the, 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 uh, the uh, making an idol out of our senses or our sensuality. Uh, we make an idol out of pride. Pride tempts us toward the pretension that we have no limitations. The biblical story for this would probably be the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. But we can see modern stories and maybe even our listeners are hearing this and thinking um, you know, about having no limitations. Uh, the idea behind this is that we can be gods. There was a movement in the late 1800s, but also became a real big thing in the middle 20th century, this idea that God is dead. And the idea behind that it was it came out of a uh, from a philosopher from the uh, 19th century named Frederick Nietzsche, but the idea got this became prominent got this prominence when um, uh, this idea came that we have come to the place in our development as humanity where we no longer need God. And so the idea here is God is dead. I think Nietzsche, I can quote him right here, but I, I paraphrase it was, "God is dead, and no greater feat in all history has has uh, happened other than this. Like we have killed God, and that has been the greatest feat in all of history. And so the idea is we've become gods to ourselves. Well, this is pride. This is pride the idea that we have no limitations. And then when you take sensuality, Wesley would say, and you take pride and they're unfettered, then our imagination, which is a good thing, runs amok. And this becomes the escalation of of that which is not God as if it was truly God. We start escalating those things. We start putting those things on pedestals that are not God as if they are God. So it is this, uh, these, these three things, this unholy trinity, as Wesley puts it, uh, these three layers of rebellion are the motivations for idolatry. They are the key things for idolatry. Another uh, Reformed theologian who I love, who just passed away not too long ago, a guy named J.I. Packer, wrote a great book called Knowing God. He, he, he takes these three things, and he just puts it down like this. He calls them uh, sex, shekels, and stomach.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> to, he's a preacher. He's got to use his alliteration. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. Yeah.
0: Less, less, right. So um, Wesley would even talk about taking this even further, um, the inordinate love of money and sex. Um, and he would say that all, idolatry always looks better than it is and it never elicits happiness, uh, money and sexuality. Um, it, it draws us to seek happiness, some sort of contentment in our life. But the problem is, is when you put your, uh, that that becomes your focus and your identity in life, what you do, you will never reach it. You never find it. What you're, as, uh, you two would say, you never find what you're looking for. Yeah. So, um yeah and all this so um yeah so that those are the things there that drive idolatry it's very personal it's very it's inside of us and um you know jim is right this is the this idolatry is a thing of our age but as humans honestly it's the thing of our nature yeah we're idolatrous by our fallen nature you can be like god the serpent said you can be (laughs) like God that's idolatry. So how do we break this mindset, this polytheistic mindset? Uh, what is it that we need to do? Uh, before we get into that, Alan, I think had, um,
2: yeah, so, um, I was just going to share a story. Um, I think we think we, we talked a lot about uh, polytheism in terms of um, the things that we worship, uh, you know, travel ball, worship, football, uh, work, uh, all these things that we just M&Ms sort of, m ms Yes. Uh, but it, there's also the sort of what we read about in scripture, like actual polytheists, like di- believing in different gods. And so, um, uh, in a previous point a previous appointment, we uh, had a sister church in Africa, and we supported them. and And uh, the pastor came over to our church a couple times, and we took a mission trip over there. and It was my first trip to Africa. Uh, I've gone twice, and uh, this was my first one. and We were doing a um, um, sort of like a revival uh, series of worship services with a with a vacation Bible school for the kids and. And it was was great. It was a great experience. But one of the days um, we gathered, we gathered at the church. And before we did the worship service, we went out into the community to to do evangelism, the door-to-door evangelism in the village that we were, um, that the church was located. And with me were um, other African pastors, and they were sort of there as interpreters and so forth. It's actually probably my first time doing door-to-door evangelism, not just in Africa, but like just in general. So my first experience of doing this was in Africa and, uh, and I'm doing it with not knowing the native language. And so having to go back and forth. So one of the first guys that we came up to, um, we began talking to him and he had multiple wives, which was a uh, common practice, um, over there. Um, and so he had, so multiple wives with multiple different religions. And so I was like, but you got that's way more than what I could handle. Uh, so, um, but he, he begins to talk about these wives and, and their religions and he talks about them as fish in a pond that basically they're all, they're fish and they're swimming in the pond. Um, and, uh, um, and, but they're all different fish swimming in the same pond, going to the same place. And I guess it was a language barrier or just sort of out of, just shock out of really hearing and hearing that I didn't really have much to say. I let the other, uh, the African pastor speak. And what I wish I had told him is that, um, that no, actually you're all in a different pond. Um, you're, you're, you are, you are different fish swimming in a different pond and ultimately headed to different, uh, different places. Hmm. And really, unless you're swimming in the pond, uh, so to speak, you know, all analogies break down. So, you know, hear me out, but unless you're swimming in the pond of following Jesus, um, then, uh, no, you're not going to the same destination you're not headed uh into the same place wow. um I, I don't know if that would have been the right thing but um but it just it just it's polytheism is real yes in one sense or another and um and there is only there is but one and only true living god um mm. and
1: uh anyways. I think that's that's an important thing to remember um one i really appreciate for all of you listeners, um, one of the things that Alan demonstrates for us also well is the humility to learn um, and to share himself deeply. So I love that. But you're right. So in America, generally in our kind of middle class world and higher, we pretend like we don't have gods. Uh, and so we do talk about polytheism in one way, but in the area in which I've lived in the past seven, eight years... There is a lot of polytheism, witchcraft, and voodoo, and so we do still have uh, quite a lot of almost literal worship of many gods, as well as well as our um, general cultural ignorance that we worship many gods. Yes. Yeah, I I, I would I would agree with that. The um, if you've ever said,
0: "Well, what comes around." Well, what goes around will come around. That's a <laughs> wow, that's a wow. um, karma. That, that's karma, yeah, karma and it's karma true. is not Christian, right? What wait, um, huh? If wait, you've, you've didn't read that, I thought, if you, I thought it was Christianese. Christian-ese. Uh. <laughs> if you've ever had a uh, good luck charm, that is uh, for all intents and purposes, witchcraft,
1: sorcery. Sorcery, sorcery. <laughs> messing um are be missing with my rabbit's foot? <laughs> <laughs> you sacrificed a rabbit. To actually, the god he's got of good he's, luck.
0: He's got, he's actually got unclean uh, socks from his days at UGA that he wears during game day. So, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> we have meddled
1: all episode uh, long. <laughs>
0: um, but uh, so those those type of things are, are are very real. If we ever try to manipulate our surroundings. Um, or, or, yeah, try to manipulate through a ritual that's dangerous. That's not of God. And, you know, we, we we talk about the shamans. We talk about the rolling the bones and reading the entrails and that kind of stuff that's very kind of out there. And we're like, ooh, but we do it every day with other stuff. Hmm. Um, w- another one uh, that I, I, I hear a lot in the church world is a uh, don't say it or you'll speak it into existence. It's like casting a spell. Yeah it's 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 wild and so um, uh, so there, those are some issues that we are, are, are dealing with here. Uh, one thing before we get into our closing thoughts I do want to speak to and Alan and Jim and you know Alan with your story might have even more on this um, but I think about this all the time. My minor in college was religious studies and so I've always been interested in other religions and how the gospel can speak to other religions. And we live in such a kind of a tolerant type of world. And I'm not saying tolerance is bad, but sometimes again, like with unity, tolerance for tolerance sake, we can start losing the forest for the trees, I think. And so, um, when we look at, when we talk about other religions, other religious traditions, other religious worldviews, I think it's important for us as Christians to, have this humble attitude. And one of the ways we can have a humble attitude is know what you're talking about with other religions. <laughs> Bring uh, it. Come on. If it you you not for the people in the back. <laughs> if you don't know the difference between a Shiite and a Sunni Muslim, don't talk about Islam because there is such, in, you, you've got to know those differences. And what about Sufis and, and other, other things? So, Um, If you don't know the different schools of Buddhism, don't think that they're all the same. Do you know, have you ever heard of a Theravada Buddhist or a a Mahayana Buddhist or a Zen Buddhist? Uh, These are important schools of thought within these traditions that are helpful in understanding uh, these religions. And don't think just because you know something, you know something. I'm going to give a quick story on this here. So... In Columbus, Georgia, where I live, uh, we have the world headquarters of Aflac. And Aflac's got a huge uh,
1: – um, Is that a religion?
0: Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 it's an insurance company. In- they're oh, the by I the know. way, they're so, we're sponsored this week by Aflac. Aflac. <laughs> 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 the Potokiesis podcast has
0: no affiliation with Aflac. Anyway, so – Actually, Aflac has no – Anyway, so – Wow. So, uh, uh, the, uh, so, but, um, 70, something like 70 or 75%. It, it, it's a high percentage of Japanese insurance is done through AfLAC. There's a huge market in Affleck, uh, that Affleck has in Japan. And so because of that, uh, we get a lot of Japanese executives who come over for uh, two years here in Columbus to do executive training at the Affleck Tower. And um, and sometimes they'll come to the church here at St. Luke.
1: Awesome.
0: And um, um, a number of years ago, when I first started here at St. Luke, there was a, a very sweet Japanese couple um, who had started attending St. Luke. They had a, uh, they had a baby uh, right around the time we had our first child. So we, we kind of started bonding with each. other. So I went to lunch with, uh, them just to get to know them better. And in that lunch, I'm asking them, uh, you know, uh, tell me kind of a little bit about your background. And, and in that came where, uh, the husband said, well, I grew up Buddhist and me having, you know, gotten all this education and I took a, uh-huh. I took Buddhism, I took Buddhism for a semester in college. I, you I knew, knew everything the, then. I knew it, but I knew Theravada, Mahayana, Zen Buddhist, Japan's probably more Zen, but you know, I don't, I, you know, let's, let me just find out. So I said, <laughs> my question was, um, so what school do you belong to? Are you a, are you more of the Theravada traditionalist? Are you the, the larger wheel Mahayana? Are you Japan? Are you in the, uh, the Zen camp? And he looked at me, he goes, I'm just Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: and that shut me down quick. I was like, all right, let's eat. So uh, yeah. Um, so no, uh, I, I tell that story, Know something about our world, and the religious traditions in it. Um, Christianity may be the largest uh, religion by population, but it definitely is not the only one. And so know the other traditions that are out there, but also have humility about it. You don't know everything. And if you do know a lot, you still don't know. There's a difference we used to talk about in school, the difference between knowing the theology and the practic- the practice. Mm. And so these are important things to understand, and it will help your witness. It will help your witness. About six years later, that family came back uh, after their two year time here in Columbus, they came back and the first place they came was here to St. Luke. Hmm. Uh, They didn't convert. They didn't start going to church or anything, but they had built a relationship with the people here. Um, And that's that, that, you know, again, lifting Jesus high, he will draw people to himself and we trust that he will, do the finishing work yep. that needs to be done, done there. So I just wanted to say That's that. That's awesome. Hey, well. I haven't
1: said anything controversial yet. So I'm going to say uh, controversial something right now. It's like my trademark. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you say know a little something about the religion before you talk about it. Make sure you're not just getting that information from the news.
0: Yes. Right. Absolutely. Um, I'll tell you what I'll do. I've got some great books. Great books. I can put out there suggestions for some easy reads for people to read. If you want to know some basics of the world traditions that are out there, so I'll, I'll put those in our in our notes. Show, show notes. notes. So show notes. Show enough, Show notes. <laughs> so so. All right. Closing thoughts. Uh, anything else, uh, guys, about idolatry? We're not for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, long story short, it ain't good. Is not
0: for <laughs> idolatry. <laughs> uh, we're taking a stand. Here we go. Um, that's going to be our new shirt.
2: <laughs> but we are for. We are for the one, only living and true God.
1: There you go. Very
0: nice. Very nice way to bring it back, Alan Case, the wordsmith of the episode. Here I am. So the next episode we're going to get into, we're going to continue our series here on God, and we're going to talk about the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity, and what it means, why it is important, uh, with the question of how many persons are there in the Godhead? What? Godhead? Per- uh-huh. Persons? Persons? You just We just spent, what, an hour talking about why we worship one God? Now you're going to tell me that there are... Plural. Okay. So now we get into some meat and potatoes, and I love meat and potatoes. So, um, we've been eating meat and <laughs> Wait, ain't, ain't
1: potatoes. This one's the
0: ribeye. This is the ribeye. This is the good stuff. I want to go ahead and foreshadow and let you, or foreshadow, give you a little bit on this. Um, it was in seminary where I, I mean, I always have believed the Trinity, but as, as a believer, but it was in seminary where I fell in love with the Trinity and where I really got an understanding of God's nature that really fired
1: me up. And I'll tell some of those stories. Excellent. um, Hey, Brett, do me a favor and don't call out next episode because I have a feeling you're going to be leading the way.
0: (laughs) I love the doctrine of the Trinity. This is, it it (laughs) informs everything we do in our Christian walk. And um, we'll talk about that. All right, guys, we are coming to a close here. So um, this is where the music's going to cue up at some point. And I want to just remind you to hit us up on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Podokiesis. Leave a comment. Let us know that you are listening. If you've got questions or you just want to throw an idea out there in the Podokiesis community, um, those are the places to do it. You can also send questions to us at questions at podokiesis.com. And do you know where you can find the Podokiesis podcast? Well, you're listening to it right now, so you have found us. But if you've got friends out there who need to listen to this and you want to listen to this, tell them to go to Apple, go to uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, they can find us on iHeartRadio, InTune, every or tune in and um, and they we're we're just everywhere. We're honestly everywhere. You can find us at podcasters.com if you want the details on all that. And to all our Apple subscribers, all of our Apple subscribers, leave us that five-star review and put a little comment down there. We want to know that you were, you were here listening and you can do it anonymously. Or you can be a brave soul and put your name on it, and uh, we'll we'll appreciate you on that. So hit us up on social media, share us with your friends and family, and we hope that you have you continue to have a uh, a great great day and whatever it is you're doing. Uh, remember, we love you, and uh, we're grateful for you. We'll see you next time on the Potawatomi's Podcast.
1: Throw the book at them.